everybody we got a special episode of video vampires it is the two-year anniversary of Wes Craven dying Um, it is very sad (laughs) we've lost Wes Craven George Romero and Toby Hooper within the span of what three two three years yeah so we wanted to even though it was so soon after Toby Hooper died we wanted to do pay a little tribute to Wes Craven Um, the weird thing about Wes Craven is that you know him I believe it was him and Tim Burton were the first two directors that I would recognize, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, their names, I was always like, oh, I know who that person is, you know, when you're a kid. Um, I don't know why. I have, I have no idea why him and, I mean, Tim Burton, because, like, when we were kids, Beetlejuice, Batman. Yeah, his Batman. stuff was so, yeah. And he had a very distinct, like, look. But Wes Craven was just one of those, like, before I knew John Carpenter. Yeah, we kind of, like, grew up on it. Like, yeah. Like, was our... Yeah, he was kind of like, I, it was really weird. He was, like, kind of like the weird, the horror movie director that everybody knew about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to take a few moments to kind of, like, go over Wes Craven real quickly. Um, I mean, obviously we can't go over all of his movies, and there's definitely ones to be left desired. But real quickly, um, did you know Wes Craven was born in a Baptist family? No, but I can kind of guess that. <laughs> he was born in a Baptist family, and he wasn't allowed to watch movies until... That weren't Disney movies until, I think... I don't think... The, I think the first movie he saw that wasn't Disney was when he was... I think teaching in college. He was a professor. Really? He was a humanities professor in New York. And then he just decided on a whim. Well, he had been tinkering with, you know, some students in the film, you know, and and making films and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and decided he wanted to be a filmmaker. And he ended up being an editor on a few uh, porns. Oh, I think I heard the story. Maybe you told me this before. It's true. And and then he, you know, then he started his film career. And, like, what's, you know, so I'll kind of go through a brief... History, I'm going to glaze, I'm going to skip over a few because they're worth skipping over. Mm-hmm. Some of them. <laughs> All right. Or, or, yeah, or, yeah, or just, yeah. we just, we, we don't have enough time. But, uh, so we got Last House on the Left. That was 1972. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a, you know, it was very controversial then. I don't think it's as, I don't know. I, I watched it recently and I'm like, I get why it was so. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I. I think it was different for me. I was, like, younger. I was like, oh, my God. 100%, yeah. Now I haven't seen it because I never really wanted to rewatch it, but until very recently, I was I, like, maybe I should. Yeah, I think it's I think it's, it's one of those movies that lives off its reputation. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was an adaptation of Virgin Spring uh, by Ingmar Bergman. Uh, this was a movie that when he would be at parties later on and people would be like, oh, what do you do? He's like, I'm a filmmaker. Like what did you what, what <laughs> movies you like Last House on the Left and they would walk away. <laughs> um, so he follows that up with Hills of Eyes in 1977, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, amazing film. Um, and then we got some TV movies. We got TV Summer of Fear, which he did with Linda Blair. Uh, then he has theatrical movies Deadly Blessing that has um, Ernest Borgnine and Swamp Thing with Adrian I don't think Barbo. I've seen those. Uh, Deadly Blessing, it's. <sighs> It's like that moment, it's like there's a weird crossover between, like, Hills of Eyes, where he's going, like, in a very realistic route, mm-hmm. to, like, the weird, more supernatural stuff, and that was, like, the middle ground. Um, it's got its moments, it's got Sharon Stone. Okay. Ernest Borgnine, uh, Michael Berryman from Hills of Eyes, and, uh, and then, you know, he does Swamp Thing, the, uh-huh. uh, comic book movie with Adrian Barbeau, and, 
Ray Wise and uh, Louis Jordan. Um, does another TV movie, Invitation to Hell. Does Hills of Eyes two, which is uh, he said he just needed a paycheck. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, he was he was he was. I in, like that he just kind of is like. Yeah, he needed listen, the money. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did manage to sneak in a dog's flashback uh, <laughs> in in Hills of Eyes two. <laughs> Uh, but then right after Hills of Ice 2, I'd say almost directly we have Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Which yep. is probably the movie he's most famous for, I think. And I think his best movie. But, um, and we, you know, we talked a lot about Wes Craven and, and Nightmare on Elm Street in the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 episode. Yeah. So following that, he does Deadly Friend, which I don't know if you ever saw. No. Deadly Friend has got Chrissy Swanson and the, little, and the kid from Little House on the Prairie. It is... A universally panned movie <laughs> that I fucking love. I get really? it's this weird movie that uh, real real quick. The kid next door, uh, this kid moves to a new town. Um, he's a genius. He's going to college at like fifteen. Meets the girl next door, played by Christy Swanson, oh. um, who I had a huge crush on. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, you know, okay. she's she's in an abusive household. She lives with a single father who's abusive to her. Uh-huh. Uh, this kid's a genius. He's got a robot. Well, at one point, the robot gets killed or blown up by what? by Anne Ramsey from uh, Goonies, Mama Fratelli, and the girl, Chrissy Swanson's father, kills her accidentally. <laughs> so, naturally, he decides to put the two together, like the, the robot chip inside her body, and it's kind of like a Bride yeah. of Frankenstein thing, but I don't know what oh. it is about this movie, and maybe it was because I saw it at a really... Um, interesting time when I was like I think I was going through a breakup and I was really like (laughs) and I loved this movie and I still do like I still get like kind of like emotional watching it it's uh it's completely ridiculous like I get everybody that says it's a terrible movie and I I I can't argue with them uh but I will argue this Anne Ramsey gets her head she Uh she's the evil neighbor with the shotgun who scares kids off her yard uh Chrissy Swanson obviously when she comes back to life she decides to go after all the people that were mean yeah. And she's one of them, and uh, she takes a basketball and throws it in Am- Ramsey's head, and her head mm-hmm. explodes, and she, like, moves around the room like a, a chicken with her head cut off, and uh, it's fantastic. Um, following Deadly Friend, we got Serpent in the Rainbow. Do you remember that? Bill yes. Pullman. Okay. The, the voodoo one, and... In, in, uh, yeah, it took me a second to... Based on an actual... Um, I haven't seen that in a while. That's a good one. That's I remember... Okay, so... Uh, two weeks after Wes Craven died, me and Steve yeah. went to go to the Egyptian, and they, they showed um, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. the original. They had um, a bunch of people there to talk about Wes Craven, like a lot of film horror film directors. Yeah. Um, I think his son was there, and then Robert England was there, and he did a Q&A. It was fantastic. And then they played Serpent in the Rainbow, which... That's cool. It is. It's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's loosely based on a, a nonfiction book, Harvard Anthropologist... Not anthropologist, an eth- uh, botanist, or whatever. You know, Harvard yeah. professor travels to um, to Haiti and get and discovers that you know the the toxin that that people use for voodoo rituals, and then they make a movie out of it that's completely, completely far fetched and completely mm-hmm. far removed from the book. But anyway, uh, after that is Shocker, which was Wes Craven's. Um, you know, it was kind of like his attempt. So he didn't ever wanted the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise to become a franchise. Yeah. He got really pissed off when it did become a franchise. He got even more pissed off when New Line hadn't given him the money from, from yeah, all that. Yeah, he said that one. I saw a Q&A with him. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll talk about that So after. he did Shocker as a means to kind of like create another Freddy Krueger. It has Mitch Pelleggi from uh, X-Files. I don't know if you remember. 
I, do you ever I, watch X-Files? No, not oh. really. So I don't... It's funny because I've always meant to, and I've seen, like, the important episodes, but, like, I don't... I've never followed it. Well, FBI Director Skinner, who's Smolder and Scully's <laughs> boss... Uh, plays Horace Pinker, who is this, like, it's clearly supposed to be a Freddy Krueger-type character. Yeah. Peter Berg, who would go on to be a director in his own right, he plays the kid who can... Yeah. Who can somehow has a connection to the killer, and not somehow. I mean, I know exactly how, but um, there's a weird thing about electricity. It's basically, it's very similar to The Hidden, where Horace Pinker can switch, swap bodies. Yeah. So, uh, we got Shocker, and then, um, doesn't do well. It's kind of a flop, um... It's a shame because it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the next movie he does after that, which we're going to go into a little bit more in a few, is People Under the Stairs. Oh, my God. Following that, before, like right around the same time, he did a TV show very briefly that I remember watching with my dad called Nightmare Cafe. Premise was these two people, completely unconnected, both die in the same night, and they end up in this weird cafe. The manager or the the guy behind the cafe counter is Robert England. Really? And the whole idea is that yeah. they go to help people with their second chance, like give them the second chance, you know, uh-huh. like to fix to right a wrong before they cross over to from death to uh, yeah. whatever. Uh, it doesn't last long, but it, it was really weird because it was like that time when me and my dad were both like hitting a like common ground. We're like, hey, you know, like this is, a- this is something that we both can enjoy. So we used to watch that. Um, Following uh, Nightmare Cafe, he does. He comes back to New Line, makes amends. You know, they make amends with him. Um, they, they compensate him quite well for the franchise, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and he makes New Nightmare, which was oh yeah, way ahead of its time. Um, we can get into that some other time. Uh, After New Nightmare is a movie that you really like, uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. I love Vampire in Brooklyn. Eddie Murphy. It's so good. It, it's got its moments. I I, it's, <laughs> I don't it's, care. No, I love Vampire it. in Brooklyn is your deadly friend. It's yeah. like it's that movie that everybody's like, oh, but then there's just something about it. That's one thing I will say about Wes Craven is even when I'm it's not funny. Yeah, even when there's something, even when his movies aren't great, there's still something really charming about them, whether yeah. they're funny or they're like super sweet like Deadly Friend where I'm like oh it's a sweet romance between these two kids that are in love and then um, Vampire in Brooklyn is just like I mean Eddie Murphy hated it Wes Craven hated it I think Charlie Murphy who co-wrote it with Eddie Murphy hated it but for some reason there is definitely people who like love that movie and uh, I mean like I said it's got its moments I'm a big fan after um, Vampire in Brooklyn is uh, Scream oh yeah I remember sneaking into the movie theater. I saw in the theater, yeah. And, under uh, 17. Oh, man. I mean, and, and I, I love Scream, and I hate it at the same time. Yeah. I, I wish... I'm glad it was made. I, I, love, I do love that movie. I do not like what spawned from that movie. Yeah, like that, there's a few... I know she did last summer, like all yeah, that that, that I, weird that stuff. That crew, though, was so good, though. That genre of, like, shitty teen... Um, WB or yeah. CW or whatever like horror movie with Dawson like with you get the cast of Dawson's Creek you get a killer yep. chasing them that's what I I can I never say that or the the really self aware horror movies which kind of stops being fun you know mm-hmm. uh, obviously Wes Craven has many more movies after this I would yeah. like this I want to stop at Scream it's... because that's where I wish it had stopped you know <laughs> and I like some of the movies that came after Scream but when you look at his content post Scream yeah. I'm like. Uh, I would have been happy with Scream being kind of like the, the you know, the finale. Yeah. Um, I'll give you that. 
Yeah. So uh, you were saying something about a Q&A that you saw. Oh, yeah, at the Arclight. It was one of those uh, cooler things that Arclight did in the past. So it was the director presenting one of their favorite movies, uh-huh. and it was Wes Craven. He was pre- uh, presenting Children of Men, and it was awesome because you could kind of see the parallels between his type of movies, which are like the horrors of humanity, and then versus this one, which is the same thing, except it has like glimmers of light. Right. But, uh, yeah, and he called it, like, he's like, this is a perfect movie, and it was kind of cool to hear him talk about other movies and then his own, because he went. Sure. He was like, I'll answer any questions. So that was, like, one thing. It was, like, a few months before he died. I didn't even know he was, like, sick. Well, nobody did, and that was the sad thing, is it like, I was shocked. I remember we were working together at the time, and, like, mm-hmm. I was crushed when that happened. Um, like I said, like, I mean, at this point, you know, I, I mean, he... Wes Craven holds a special place in my heart, but I would never, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't celebrate his catalog like I would celebrate John Carpenter's, David yeah. Lynch, you know, some of my other, you know, but because he was one of the first directors that I ever, I got a funny story, actually. I it's went like to, fond, it's like more fondly than... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like you always remember your first, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and, um... And I remember I went to go see Shocker at the New Beverly in 19... Oh, no, it was, this was in 2000... Um, I don't know, it was 2009. And I went to go see Shocker at the New Beverly. It was in October. I actually went to see Annie Hall at the New Beverly. <laughs> and then after that was Shocker. And I wanted mm-hmm. to go see both. So I was like, this is probably the weirdest double feature ever. <laughs> um, but the cool thing was, so I was, I was talking to my roommate outside. And, you know, Richard Brooks, who I think I talked about in The Hidden, uh, he, was, yeah. uh, he was there. Uh, Ted Raimi was there. Um, the guy, there was a guy, the guy who was doing the Q&A kept referring to Horace Pinker, the villain of, uh, Shocker as Shocker, and I kept him getting really angry, but <laughs> aside from that, I think one of the best parts was, is I, you know, before the, the movie, you know, everybody was kind of still getting their seats and everything, and I found out that Wes Craven was going to be there, oh. and I went outside, and I was calling my roommate at the time, being like, I can't believe you're not here right now, and I started rattling off all these different people who were, gonna, yeah. who were there, and then I was like, and Wes Craven's going to be there, and I looked up, and he's looking right at me, and I'm like, and I just, I couldn't help it, I was like, I just got completely caught geeking out about Wes Craven. Uh, I know people who have actually met him and said he was one of the most amazing people in this in, yeah. in LA, and in Hollywood, and, and in film, so, you know... Uh, what I love about him, though, um, is that I have this theory, and I've had it. This is I had this theory before he even passed away. But um, if you look at his filmography, any movie of his that has booby traps, dream sequences, or nightmares, <laughs> or both, um, it's a good Wes Craven movie. Yeah. So Last House on the Left has got booby traps. So does Hills of Eyes. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street obviously has yes. dream sequences. Deadly Friend has dream sequences. Serpent in the Rainbow has nightmare sequences. <laughs> Shocker has nightmares. People Under the Stairs has tons of booby traps. Yeah. And New Nightmare, of course, is, uh, you know, dreams and everything. So uh, I, I like the fact that he kind of went, he had a motif that he would kind of come back to here and there. Um, I also love that his movies, you know, his the movies that he wrote mm-hmm. and directed, um, a lot of them deal with, there, there's a lot much. There's more going on, on this than what's on the surface. Nightmare on Elm Street has this amazing like story of like you know, the fucked up things that happen in the suburbs that everybody kind of like dismisses. Yeah. Uh, the things that the parents do that that the kids end up you know being punished for. Um, you know, uh, Shocker has this really weird kind of like um, commentary on the media. Yeah. And our obsession with violence on television. And then uh, People Under the Stairs, which is the movie we just watched in honor of uh, Wes Craven, which uh, 
kind of covers, you know, it's a very, it's a kind of a fairy tale. And yeah. it's a 90s fairy tale, but it has that, like, yeah. fairy tale-esque feel, you know? Well, you guys said it best. It is, like, a horror Home Alone. Like, yeah. it is. It is. And uh, it's really horrible, but it has these really silly moments. Yeah. Well, which think, makes it really good. I, it's funny, yeah. And I think the silly moments are there to kind of, like, I mean, like, it, I think at this point in Wes Craven's career, like, even he's, like, um... There's a famous story about, you know, Quentin Tarantino showing Reservoir Dogs, I think it was at Sundance, or some mm-hmm. festival. Maybe it was Cannes, I think it was at Sundance, though. And Wes Craven walks out at the ear-cutting scene, mm-hmm. because it was too much for him. And, yeah. it's, and, and Quentin Tarantino took that as a huge compliment, that, like, the guy who made Last House on the Left and Hills of Eyes yeah. walks out of his movie. But um, I think there's the reason why, like, Everett McGill is so goofy in this movie is because... It, on the other hand, it's in, he's incredibly fucked up. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah. They allude to... Uh, Let's see. It's uh, so sexual, dark. Sexual abuse, uh, torture. Yeah. Um, People Under the Stairs has got uh, Brandon Adams, uh, who is the kid in Sandlot and Mighty Ducks. Yes, he's so good. He is really good. What a perfect, perfect kid for this movie. Absolutely. And uh, he plays a kid who lives in the ghetto with his family. They're about to get evicted. His mother's very sick. He ends up getting roped into this, like, uh, heist or yeah, burglary like- with Ving Rhames. Uh Actually, they're going to rob their landlords who are these, like, sick... Rich. Rich. Like, awful yeah. white people. <laughs> yeah, it, but I mean, it is, it's a modern fairy tale that kind of has, you know, the rich versus the poor. Yeah. Um, you know, children being abused by the parents and everything like that. Um, anyway, they go to break into this house. They find out there's a lot of very screwed up, very fucked up things going on in there. Um, Everett McGill, who plays Big Ed on Twin Peaks, along with uh-huh. Wendy Roby, who plays Nadine, his wife, they play a weird oh. husband, wife, brother, sister couple. <laughs> uh, Everett McGill runs around half the movie with a uh, S&M gear and a shotgun, and it's fantastic. Um, Burn it out. Oh, there's that a lot. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, and the thing about I love about People in the Stairs is that there is... Um, there's definitely Wes Craven had these mistakes that he would make all the time. Yeah. In his best movies, one of which was like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Like when you watch that movie and you kind of go through all the events that are happening in that movie, you realize that in, in the the world of the movie, it's happening yeah. in three or four days. Nancy's best friend gets killed. She's going to school the next day, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that like. He, he, it's like his concept of time gets thrown out the window. Yeah. Same thing with people under the stairs, where it's like, one in the beginning, it's it's nighttime. You know, when he first meets Ben yeah. Rames, and then he's going to, he's got, I think he's got his mom's medicine. He's coming back home, and it's daylight, and then it cuts back to AJ Langer from My So Called Life uh, <laughs> as the the young girl in the half trapped in the house with this family, um, and she's in a room, and it's clearly dark outside her window. Yeah. And. I know these are mistakes, but they kind of give that movie this really weird, like, yeah, other world. Trippy, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, there's a lot going on in uh, People Under the Stairs. Definitely a rich versus poor, have versus have-nots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, I think it's, I, I really do, I love this movie. I also love that he's he always seems to tap into, like, those very... Um, Political, like, social... Yeah, and and universal. um, Yeah. Like, in, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, again, it's, like, the whole... The idea of the suburbs, like, you know, and and how screwed up things happen there that, you know, people don't realize. People in the stairs, the primary hook of that is every town has got a house that is bad news. 
Yeah. Or it's got it's got a legend behind it. Yeah. And as the tagline said in People on the Stairs, he Wes Craven takes you inside that house. I grew up in a town in, in you know in Massachusetts that had we had a house like that. Yeah. Because of something that happened, and then as that 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 murder that happened, as time went by, the the um, the story got exaggerated, got bigger yeah. until the point where I'm hearing people recite. I was like, no, no, I was I remember when that happened. I remember you know the police, the <laughs> helicopters over our school. Like I remember all this stuff. That's not what happened, but holy shit, you know. And so yeah. every town ends up having that little like secret, you know, yeah. that, that ugly urban spot. Myth. Yeah. yeah, urban myth. And and Wes Craven kind of explores that with people under the stairs. And I that's why I think that it's not my it's not his best movie. But it's like but a favorite. It, it is a favorite and also I feel like it all encompasses a lot of his other movies. Like he takes little bits and pieces of themes from everything. Yeah. And it all shows up in people under the stairs. And I it's hilarious. Yeah it is. It is it's really funny. It's got no joke, my one of my top three favorite endings of any movie. <laughs> I don't know what it is that makes me smile about money descending from the you know <laughs> this, this kid miraculously surviving an explosion that, that decimated the house. decimated the yeah. house and yet he survives. Um, the you know the the aforementioned people under the stairs who are misunderstood <laughs> monsters just, like, walking out are just walking end, out. Like, one of them looks like you know it depends hey, on who you talk to. My girlfriend thinks he looks like Sebastian Bach. Yeah, yeah. I think he looks like Dave, whatever his name is, from Soul Asylum. You guys. Can... I feel like yeah, that's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Bach for sure. Yeah, but he's got the, he's got the he's got kind of got the face, the weird pasty face, <laughs> and the the weird, you know, mid, like grunge flannel that. Yeah. Uh, so um, and then uh, you know, and it's got this great '90s like hip hop tune that plays like. At oh the, my god, it's so weird. It's awesome. I I really do love people in the stairs. Yes. Um. I also think, and I, I've, I've tried this before, and I think it really pays off. Um, you know how we were talking about, like, you know, how demons and anguish in, you know. Pair. Pair. I think a great pairing of people under the stairs is actually Attack the Block. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, both movies are, ho- ki- ki- like, horror movies for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. People under the stairs is a horror movie. This was the... F- one of the first horror movies I saw as a kid that, yes, I was scared, but I was also so, like, it was, I was yeah. excited because I was, like, because, you know, the the main character is a kid my age, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Attack the Block, same thing, you know, inner city kids up against some big threat. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then the ending, they're very similar, you know? I really think it's a good pairing. That's cool, yeah. I De- like that. Definitely check it out. And, I mean, Attack the Block was one of the best... Was, was who did that? Uh, Joe Cornish, I think. Uh, the guy who did, um, he's a guy who did all. He produced all the Edgar Wright stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's right. So, um, that's a great movie, though. It, yeah. it was a. It was Attack the Block was a great '80s movie, '80s kids movie that was 20 years too late. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but. So check that out, and again, you know Wes Craven. I mean, like all, of, I mean, all of his movies are worth watching, except for Curse with Christina Ricci and oh, yeah. and uh, what's his oh yeah, Lex Luthor. yeah I, shit, I forgot about that one. I I remember liking. it. I saw that in but the like, theater. It's and so bad. It's it. it oh. so bad. I ne- I fuck. I haven't seen that in so long. But I heard there was another version, and they cut that up. And really? Then we, yeah, I heard there was a whole other movie. But at the end of the day, I mean, here's things. That movie was. There's nothing that could have been done with that movie to save it. I mean, yeah. everybody was super excited because Kevin Williamson. Oh my you know, god, I have to go find it. So I can it's watch not it. hard to find. It's is just it on hard Netflix? to sit there. I'm sure it is, but <laughs> I, I think I remember one of the lines. It was the scene where uh, Lex Luthor, or what the hell is that kid's name? 
Come I, on. I don't remember. You know, the guy who plays Lex Luthor in the... In what? Jesse Heisenberg. Oh, He's really? in it, yeah. Wow. He plays the brother. Okay. So he's, you know, uh, the the jock that's been picking on him is now, um, oh you know, and, he, and and Jesse Eisberg kind of calls him out, and yeah. he's like, no, you're the one who's gay, and you're <laughs> hiding it. So then later on, like, the, the, <laughs> he, you know, he comes over, he like, it's clear that this guy is gay, and he's got a crush on Jesse Eisenberg, and Jesse Eisenberg's like, no, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to explain it, it's a curse. He's like, yeah, it feels like that sometimes, and it's like... <laughs> This is the most shit. This is the shittiest dialogue. And the thing is, Wes Craven, the movies that he wrote, yeah, fantastic. Sometimes the dialogue is like, I mean, there's there's parts of Nightmare on Elm Street when like Nancy yeah. looks at her hair and she's like, or she's looking at her reflection. She's like, God, I look like I'm almost twenty years old. And it's like, uh, yeah, got it. But um, it still, it was light years ahead of Cursed. Um, yeah. So definitely, I would I would recommend this week watching any one of his movies, but particularly, you know, the ones we mentioned this one because those are the yeah. best. Uh, Scream's easy to find. Name on Street, if you don't watch it every Halloween season, that's yeah. on you. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to, to throw out that quick episode of, uh, for, for, you know, Wes Craven, and we might do a few more at some other time about just random stuff. But yeah. uh, we'll have another episode next week. And... Uh, Oh, and this was our third movie about cannibalism. Oh, yeah. We so, love eating people. Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's our theme. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. In every neighborhood, there is one house that no one will enter. Now, the director of A Nightmare on Elm Street takes you inside. Yeah! West Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Rated R. Starts Friday.